Well, yesterday was a pretty good day. Um, we, uh, Don had a crew out at the uh, parade, and they were throwing footballs out and getting out into the community that way. Uh, others went to a golf outing that we hosted down at Sandy Creek um, Golf Course and down in Monroe, and it was really fun if you're hitting the ball well. And I was hitting the ball well. Then... You know, at the turn, that's when you go from the front nine to the back nine. At the turn, they gave us this little ticket that gave us a snack. I had a hot dog chips and a pop. People, I don't know what was in the hot dog. But I'm telling you, something was in the hot dog is I couldn't hit diddly squat after I ate the hot dog. That is right. I'm blaming everything on the hot dog, man. It just was, I couldn't hit it straight at all. I don't know if the Apostle Paul would have liked to play golf, but I do know that he was a a fan of sports. He would use sports analogy to kind of help us understand our walk with life, you know, running the race that's before us, wrestling not with flesh and blood. And and so he would use a lot of those kind of of athletic metaphors to help us understand. So we're just kind of playing off of an athletic metaphor, taking a sermon series, life in the fairway, living as God intended and living as God intended it to be. And golf is a fun game. It's a game that one of the astronauts chose to play on the moon. It's been called a gentleman's game. Others have called it cow pasture pool. Uh, Hunters have poked fun at golfers by saying, well, you can't eat your golf balls. And Gary McCord said it best. He said, golf causes brain damage. And I believe him. I just want you to know. Today, I want to look at some hazards on the golf course. I want you to look at some hazards. We got wind, we got sand, we got water. And if you play in the South, you better be aware of the alligator hazard. That's right, the alligator hazard. In my wife's hometown, there's a pond of water, and they've got a sign by it, free drop alligator in the area. I take my free drop every time because I'm in the water. So I want to talk about avoiding the hazards that we have in life. And and so I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Verses 11 and following. And the verses will come up on the screen and then after that, so they will not. So have your Bibles open and follow along to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. It's one of my favorite texts in in all of the scriptures. It says this, it was he, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the ministering of the Holy Spirit, it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From whom the whole body, the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. What I simply want to tell you this morning is that we got to know how to, every golf course has hazards on it, sand traps and 
and out-of-bound markers and water hazards. Life is full of hazards. And on the golf course, there are times when you can grip and rip it, but there are also times where you got to look out and say, okay, i got to stay away from the hazards. In life, you've got to stay away from the hazards because if not, man, they will cost you more than strokes in a golf game. They will just literally eat you up. I love the phrases that Paul used. Go back to verse, say, 14. Then you'll be no longer infants, tossed back and forth by the waves. That's an interesting word. To be tossed back and forth, that Greek word is kledonzio. I just wanted to impress you once. And, uh, and it's a nautical term meaning to be tossed by the waves. It's like you're the cork out there and you're at the mercy of the waves. You have no stability. You have no kind of faculty to gain stability. You're out there at the mercy of of the waves, whether it's on our Great Lakes or whether it's on the ocean, you're just out there at the mercy of it all. Metaphorically, it came to mean in Paul's day to be agitated mentally. And believe you me, every time I hit my golf ball on the water, brother, I get agitated mentally. I just want you to know. Paul is saying, listen, There's a lot of you who live your lives in such an unsettled way that you're always just agitated. You're always just kind of up in the air. You're always drama. You're always just kind of never settled, never at peace. You ever met those kind of folks? They couldn't enjoy a blessing from God if he dropped it right in their lap. They just got to have, they just always just kind of, agitated. And and if God's blessing them, then they're worried that God's not going to bless them. If God's not blessing them, then they're worried about why God isn't blessing them. Instead of enjoying the presence of God, irregardless of what he happens to be doing in that moment in our lives, we all can still kind of enjoy the blessing of God. And so we just all kind of get bent out of whack, kind of tossed around by the waves, get mentally agitated and just kind of so unstable. Paul's point is this. That you've got to be committed to what you know is right. As I was trying to find a picture of commitment, when I saw that, that is like the most committed thing I can think of right there. Letting go of my bar on my side of the trapeze and reaching out over nothing and grabbing on and trusting the other guy to catch me. Isn't that a great example of faith? You let go of what you know, fly through the air hoping that the other guy, Jesus Christ, will grab you and hang on to you. And the wonderful truth of God's word is that he does. He doesn't drop you. He doesn't do one of those things, you know, like let one hand go and just, oh, scared you, didn't I? Man, he wants you to know that he can be trusted. He doesn't want you to live it in this mentally agitated state. He wants you to live a life of confidence so that when rough waters do come and rough waters will come, amen? I don't know anybody who doesn't have rough waters. That in your soul, in your mind, in your heart, you can have a confidence, you can have a conviction, you can have this this assurance that Jesus Christ has got you, is hanging on to you, and he is not about to let you go. I read one time that 
doing a lot of, I've read a lot of golf stuff trying to get ready for this sermon series. I read, they asked Tiger Woods one time what his biggest mistake was. And he said it was not being committed to my shot. If he's in between clubs and he pulls out a a nine iron, he thinks it might be an eight iron shot. And, you know, and he's not kind of committed to, he's not settled in his heart on what club to use. Then the ball just, he said it's a poor shot and he often ends in the rough or in a hazard. Listen, in life, if you are not sold out and committed to Jesus Christ, I, I mean, if you can come here and sing, oh, I love Jesus, and, and I'll praise you in the storm, and then you walk out of here, and it's just like, oh, oh, oh my goodness, everything is just all falling apart. What am I going to do? You're not committed to the shot. You, you're not truly embraced what God has, has told us in his word. You, you see, when you, you have to kind of settle the fact that am I going to trust Jesus? Am I really going to live for him? Am I totally sold out to Jesus Christ? When I went to Bible college, my first year that I was there, I was an intern in Glasgow, Kentucky. Now, I had just left a big university where I wanted to go into law. Uh, I had some professor types who were encouraging me down that track and kind of communication, legal kind of track. And so I was, man, I was pretty geeked about that and then kind of went off the Bible college. And I was really struggling, man, because in my linear mind, I wanted, how can I know this is true? I was, in, I, I was working with a bunch of kids in Kentucky and they were asking me questions and I didn't know any of the answers. I was still in college. I don't even know if I'd have some of the answers now. They were asking me all kind of questions. I didn't have the answers. And I, I started struggling. God, are you really calling me to this? Is this something I really want to do? Do I believe in this so much that I walk away from that lifestyle to pastor? Is that really the club I want to swing? Is that, is that really the shot I want to take here, God? And I wrestled with that thing. My pastor, John Gillen, who was a wonderful man, gone on to be with the Lord now, he preached the message, don't have a clue what he said. He didn't know I was wrestling with this thing. Am I going to trust the Lord? Because I'm telling you, man, at that point in time, and there's still at this point in time, there's a whole bunch in this book I don't get. I don't understand why God blesses bad people. I wish he'd hit them upside the head, amen? Don't you? I don't understand why God does not bless good people. But the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Do you understand that? I don't understand it any more than you do. All I know is I was wrestling with this big decision about, man, am I I going to be committed to this shot? And I went down and I prayed at the altar. I was the only one who went that night. And I was there for a long time. I was there for long enough where I made John feel uncomfortable. He came down and asked me if I was okay. And I don't remember the exact words I prayed, but I'm telling you, it kind of went something like this. Jesus, I don't know everything that's in this book. But I'm telling you from this night forward, I'm selling out to your book. 
I don't know everything you got planned for me in my life, but I'm telling you from every, from this day forward, I'm selling out to what you want me to do. Man, I tell you what, by the time I got up praying that night, I was committed to my shot. Ah, man, there was a peace in my soul. One mentally agitated. Now, I know that's still up for debate around some circles around here, but I wasn't mentally, spiritually agitated anymore. So I think there's something that to be said for just kind of saying, Jesus, I'm all in. Everything I've got, I'm just going hard after it for you. If you fast forward how to avoid the, the hazards... Man, it, it, it really kind of comes down to a key thing where you just got to sell out. And at the very core of who you are. And you have to know who Jesus is and follow him with passion. You have to know what you believe and hold it with conviction. You have to live in love, but you also have to walk in truth. If you walk in truth without love, you're going to be this brutal person. If you walk in love without truth, you're going to be a hypocrite. You've got to walk in both. It's all about being committed to your shot. So the question is for you this morning, are you committed to Jesus Christ? Are you committed to him? Or, or, or maybe you're at one of those in-between stages now where you're, you're kind of in-between shots and, and you don't know if it's a 9-iron or an 8-iron or a 9-iron or a pitching wedge and you're just kind of in-between shots and you're not committed to nothing and if you've golfed any at all, you know what's going to happen. You are going to chunk that ball. I, I guess the question is, is how's your commitment level? Are you internally strong enough that when those storms come, it's not that you rise up and overcome the obstacles of the storm, but you just rise and continue to walk by faith in Jesus Christ? How's your shot? Are you committed to Jesus Christ? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for just a moment? Man, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Man, I'm telling you, you may be like, a cork out on the ocean just flopping around on the waves. Funny thing about a golf ball, it doesn't get tossed around on the waves. It sinks. And if you don't have a spiritual conviction in your heart, if you're not grounded in Christ-likeness, if you're not rooted in the truth of God's word, man, I'm telling you, you're going to be just like the golf ball. You're going to sink. But are you truly committed? Doesn't mean you have all the answers. It just means that you're all in, that you're committed to the shot, that you're going for it and you're going forward. See, if the truth be known, I think a lot of us struggle in the area of faith and faithfulness a whole lot more than we would like to admit simply because we are not committed to Jesus Christ in our heart like we should be. I'm not saying that is the complete answer. I'm just simply saying that's a starting point here this morning. So are you committed to your shot? Are you committed to your Savior? Are you committed to Jesus Christ?